in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to the show. We got a full crew tonight. Brady and Zach calling in as well as PFF Dave. Davis Kim calling in after a Vikings win. A uh, couple days after a Vikings win. Now Wednesday morning. Uh, we've had some time to digest a, a 19 to, was it 16 or 17? 1916 when I, I believe it was um, over yeah, the Lions. 17. Oh, it was 17. Okay. Oh, yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1917 it was, and, and, and it was a Greg Joseph's 54-yarder to win the game um, after, I think it was a two-play drive with 37 or 35 seconds left in the clock to get him in to field goal range. There was that weird exchange on the sideline between Zimmer and Kirk, and after both press conferences from them, uh, it, it sounds like it was just you know a bit of a riled-up crew after an after emotional win over Detroit, a must-win game, and they found a way to win uh, Davis, let's start with you. What did you see in, in that win over the Detroit Lions? Uh, that's encouraging for the future, I guess, right now, because that wasn't a very encouraging win. So we'll start with some positivity. What was encouraging in that win to you? Um, like you said, it wasn't a super encouraging game, but I think really the encouraging part of it is, is that I think it shows that when we do use some of these amazing football players on the field, like we can really get things done. I think we can do some special things, but I know a lot of people have been complaining about how conservative the play calling and how conservative just sort of the game plan was. But I think if we're able to just kind of let these guys work and let these guys play, I think we can actually like produce some serious results. Yeah. And that was evident really in the first half with, with how proficient Justin Jefferson was. I think he had 106 yards in, in that first half, and then we really went away from it. And as you said, the conservative play calling kind of took over. And this has been now a theme for a couple games in a row where we've had some very strange play calls on on second and 17 or even first and 10 with 37 seconds and two timeouts uh, left in the end of the first half. We run the ball two times, and, or three times rather, than punt. Uh, I mean, these are some very strange play calls. And now for a number of weeks, and even when you think about time management and clock management for a number of years, we're under the Mike Zimmer era, we've had issues. And we talked about some go for it or kick a field goal scenarios last time you came on. Was there any of those that came into your mind? I guess we didn't really have any big fourth downs that we didn't go for. Uh, we didn't throw on. I guess that one third and seven with, with two minutes to go in the game, we run the ball instead of throwing it to arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL, Justin Jefferson, or his counterpart, Adam Thielen. I mean, there are some questionable decisions. Uh, Davis, what were your thoughts on the play calling, uh, particularly on those second and third and longs when we were running the ball? Um, I think just that I think the difficult part was just that it kind of seemed like we game planned the whole week for Dalvin Cook to play because we came out and we ran the ball pretty much first and second down on many of the series. And then we just weren't picking up enough positive yards with Madison, even though for the most part, he's been playing pretty well. But then we were stuck in these third and long situations where for whatever reason, we 
kept throwing the ball only like four to five yards down the field and just weren't incapable of continuously moving the chains. I think that was just really the frustrating part was we weren't really aggressive enough on early downs to really give our players a chance. And then it was just also super confusing that we were just kind of dinking and dunking on third downs instead of using Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. It was just a very bizarre game plan. Yeah, it, it certainly was. And we've seen some success uh, out of Clint Kubiak in the first 15 plays, the scripted plays of, of, of Vikings games. But in the second half now for the fourth game in a row, the Vikings have not scored a touchdown. I believe they scored, uh, I want to say, six points, or maybe nine points could be in, in the second half of games the last four weeks. Um, and, and the only reason why it's not the last five weeks because we scored one touchdown the first drive of the second half week one uh, against the Bengals. Otherwise, it would be empty. Uh, in terms of touchdowns in the second half. So there seems to be an, an issue with making adjustments, particularly on that offensive side of things. I mean, this is a, a team that came in with hopes of being a top 10 unit in their respective offensive categories, and they're nowhere near that right now. Obviously, Delvin Cook hasn't really been a factor the last three weeks, two of the weeks he didn't play. He played last week in a limited role. Uh, but you, you got to get him healthy. Alexander Madison did have a pretty good day. He got over 100 yards, scored a touchdown. First one in a while for the Vikings offense, it felt like. And it was just enough to win. Uh, let's go to the offensive line, though, for just a second. Darisaw getting his first action uh, of his rookie career. I believe it was 28 snaps. Is that right, BG28? I think it was, anyway. Uh, yeah, it was mid- mid-20s to upper 20s. And then I think Rashad what? Hill had, like, 35 snaps. Yeah. Davis, what did you see between those two guys? And Zimmer talked about it a little bit in the press conference. He doesn't know who's going to start next week. It'll kind of depend on how practice goes. But from a PFF side of things, did you see anything that jumped off the page from either of those guys as like one guy being way better than the other? It looked pretty equal uh, from just the, the fan side of things. But what did you see between Darisaw and Hill? Well, I think just a lot of people because – of how poorly Rashad Hill has been playing. We're just excited to see Darisai in there. But uh, from like a PFF standpoint for pass blocking grades, um, Darisai recorded just a, a 60.4 grade, which is just kind of run of the mill average. And then Rashad Hill recorded a 53.2, allowing two pressures and Darisai allowed zero. But it's just, I think it's good that we're getting him in because clearly he hasn't been practicing with the first team hardly at all. He's been like for, I don't even know how many weeks been just a DNP for practice. I don't know. I think it's good that we're getting him game reps. And I think I would go ahead and just start him. I mean, he's our first, first overall pick. We need to get him going. Yeah, absolutely. And fans are anxious to see him get going. And so hopefully we get to see him start. Uh, next week before the bye um, against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, BG, any thoughts from Sunday's win over the Detroit Lions? Yeah, just staying on that topic of the Rashad Hill and Christian Derrissaw battle, it just it makes sense to me to go forward with Derrissaw since obviously he's really young, he's a rookie, and in his first career NFL game, he had a higher PFF ranking um, than Rashad Hill. And maybe you don't want to go by PFF rankings, but he didn't give up a pressure. And Rashad Hill gave up two pressures. So from this point on, I think it's an easy decision. 
um, to start Derisaw. And I would, I'd be lying if I'd said I'm completely confident that Zimmer will do that just because he's had some questionable roster management decisions this year, it seemed like. Um, and another, another one I wanted to ask you, Davis, is what your opinion is on the Bashad Breeland versus Cam Dantzler starting. And obviously Dantzler wasn't able to play because he was in COVID protocols after testing positive, so he was out versus the Lions no matter what. But um, as we've talked about before, before the Detroit game, Breeland was ranked on PFF 103rd out of 103 cornerbacks, and he's now, I don't know if you want to say improved or regressed, but he's 109th out of 112 right now. Um, I personally think that we've, <laughs> based on that and many other things, it, we're due for a cornerback change, but I wanted to hear your take since you've got all that data and access to information. I'm kind of on the same boat. I'm, I think uh, I got to imagine too, just for Breland's just like headspace out there, just can't be great either. Like at the game, he was just getting booed by the crowd. Like it just, uh, I think it just was a miss. It just, it's, it didn't fit. He didn't, he had a couple bad starts. And I think he's just kind of lo- lost the fan base. And I just don't think it's going to work out. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw Breland's tweet after the game too, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just uh, it's just a, it's just a mess. And I think, um, I think at minimum they need to at least split snaps or even I would prefer at least give like dancer a majority of the snaps and kind of rotate those two while keeping Peterson in for most snaps. I think uh, that way um, we can, cause I know Zimmer, he, the appeal of Breland is that he's a vet and that, and that's kind of like the issue, I guess, with Derrissaw too, is he likes to play veteran players. He doesn't love playing rookies. So I think at least by doing this, we can, he can build rapport with, with a Dantzler and hopefully flash. And then we can get some better play out there at corner. Yeah. And I could agree that bringing in a vet is great if it works and the vet still has it on the field, but it seems like, throughout these first five games, it's really evident that Breland does not have it, at least in this Vikings defensive system. And that Dantzler, although he's not hundred percent healthy and doesn't have the greatest attitude um, because he had a tweet that he had to delete as well. Um, but he's, he's played a hell of a lot better than Breland in the limited snaps he has gotten. And in the argument with Darisaw versus Hill, he's, he's much younger than Breland. So um, I think having, valuable snaps for him to to learn and to rebound off that great freshman year he had last year um, makes sense for for him and and the Vikings as a whole but we'll see what happens um, I guess to get back to your question Beal I as pretty much every Vikings fan was was very unhappy with the performance on Sunday but with the season we're having thus far I'm just gonna take a win and smile on towards next weekend and I think really just another thing just to add on to that is, I mean, I get that these guys are young and they haven't had many reps to play, but it's just kind of a thing where if you're willing to spend like such a high draft pick on Darisa or even a fairly high third round pick on Dantzler, I think to some degree you have to be somewhat like interested in them as a potential player. And I think, I don't know why there's so much hesitancy to play them. Like if you're going to spend so much capital on them, I think it's 
such a disservice to not at least develop them or play them. Yeah. Cause you're not going to develop in practice. You're going to de- develop in game reps against miles Garrett against the Detroit guys. You're not going to get better playing behind a really, really bad left tackle in practice. And I can understand it if we had an average guy, an average vet who was doing well or a vet who was playing well. But Rashad Hill has got to be one of the worst left tackles in the league. And when Darisaw comes in last Sunday and plays better than him and allows zero pressures, it should be an automatic switch. But we'll see what happens with Zimmer and his conservative thinking. Yeah, Hill's rate, like kind of like we said about Breland, but for PFF, Hill's rated 72 out of 74 in the NFL. Wow. So, I mean, it's uh, that's, bad. That's no bueno, uh, to say <laughs> the least. Uh, let's let's talk about that weird interaction between Kirk and Zim after the game. Zach, I want to get your, your thoughts on this first. Uh, but from my side of things, it looked like, and this has kind of been the consensus from the media, at, at least, uh, the Minnesota media the, the last few days, but it looked to me like, Kirk was just super pumped up. Zim was a little bit caught off guard, um, probably a little bit angry in, in the way that they had just won the game over a, a terrible Detroit Lions football team. Uh, but it looked like Kirk was just pumped up, gave Zim a little shove. Zim gives him a bigger shove back, and, and they go on about their ways. To me, it was just a, a kind of strange moment on the sidelines that doesn't really mean anything for, for the future of this team. And It was just like Kirk was fired up. It's exactly what Zim wanted him to be, fired up, take ownership and leadership of, the, of this team, and that's what he's done. Uh, and it didn't seem like much to me, but it was a, definitely a little bit of a weird exchange. Zach, your thoughts on that? It uh, kind of seemed like that scene in It's a Wonderful Life when his uncle loses like that $10,000, and he's like, where's the money, you idiot, you stupid idiot? And he's like strangling him and trying to find out where the money went. Uh it, I would have been scared if I was Mike Zimmer. I would have been really caught off guard. Um, but yeah, I think that's just Kirk. He showed that he gets really pumped up and he says some weird things and does some weird things when he's pumped up that sometimes don't make sense. Um, but I'm all for it. Maybe that he just, maybe he was acting too on it that he just, you know, <laughs> pretending that we didn't almost blow one of the worst, you know, have the one of the worst blown games in the history of the league there. It just seemed impossible that we, we gave up that lead. Um, so maybe he was, he was playing that um, into his performance there. But no, I think that's just, I think that's just who Kirk has, has shown to be throughout his career. Just to think, do some crazy antics without really thinking and deal with the consequences later. But yeah, I think they, they handled it pretty well in the post-game things, and they just kind of shook it off as like, oh, yeah, he's super pumped. It was fun. But I think Zimmer could have had a heart attack there. We were talking earlier and yeah. died. Yeah, he, he could have died. Here's Kirk uh, after the game. You like that? That's what he said three times in a row. Uh, to Zim, at least reading his lips. You like that, you like that, you like that. Uh, and I would love if he said those three words after winning the Super Bowl. Like we win the Super Bowl, he says you like that. I, you know, that, that makes a shirt right there. I think he has that copyrighted, actually. Uh, so does he, he really? Yeah, I think, I think he does. He, well, he does. He would make a ton of money. Uh, oh my gosh. On that Vikings t-shirt. Uh, Zach, you watched the game on Sunday. Any thoughts for Davis or any uh, reactions from, from that uh, miraculous win on a last-second field goal by Greg Joseph? Um, I know we were talking a little bit about that. The Lions are the only team that we kicked that field goal against. There's no 
we're playing any other team in the league and we might as well just turn the TVs off. Um, when our kicker goes in there to kick that, it was a 56 yarder or something like that. Um, I feel, I feel for the lions, but to, to promote the Vikes here and, and to talk them up a little bit. Actually, let me put them down real quick here. They, uh, um, like you guys had mentioned, didn't really make sense what they were doing in the second half. Like you said, staying away from Jefferson, even though he had over a hundred yards receiving, they just didn't go to him. And Thielen didn't get his first catch until like, I think that last drive, that last 37 second drive, I don't think he had a catch before that. <clears throat> so it's just a little confusing. I, you know, we'd only, we were in the teens, you know, versus the lions. We'd, there's no reason to settle for where we were at. I mean, they were only a touchdown away pretty much the whole game. So didn't make sense, but <clears throat> got to be happy with the win. And we got the same record as the chiefs right now. I think not all is lost um, so far in this season. It's just a real bummer that the Packers had to, I mean, they should have won that game, but they also should have lost it three times. It was just crazy. I, it would have been huge if they lost that and it would we would gain it game in the standings there would have been one game back and I think that would have been a lot that would have been a bigger morale booster yeah. um to add on but yeah not the best Vikes game you ever I ever saw I'll, I'll leave it at that yeah no that's a good take and I, I was listening to this take uh, last week uh on KFAN I think it was Justin Gard who was saying this but it, it really doesn't matter uh how you do until you play a game in your division and we played now one game in our division and we're thankfully one and oh uh but that that that's kind of my point here with the Packers. They both sides I think missed five kicks in the last two minutes of of the fourth quarter and of overtime. Uh, five combined kicks missed. I mean there was multiple chances for each team to win that football game, and both teams for quite a while failed to do that um, until the Packers did win it. Uh, but it would have been a good chance. But my point here with the NFC North comment is. We're going to have our chances. we got two chances still to play the Packers, and we're going to have our chances to beat them. We beat them in both. We're, we're, we're still going to the playoffs if we beat them in both games and we take care of business the rest of the way. Um, and, and I expect this Vikings team to get a little bit better each and every week. And if they don't, Mike Zimmer is gone. And like, like we talked about uh, before we started recording was if Greg Joseph doesn't make that kick on Sunday, we don't win that football game. Are we talking about a new head coach right now? Are we talking about Mike Zimmer being fired? Uh, just as John Gruden was uh, last night as Monday Night Football was rolling on. Uh, John Gruden fired during the broadcast. Are we talking about that uh, with Mike Zimmer if, if that kick doesn't go through? And my thought is is potentially yes, probably, maybe. I don't know if it's a probably, but it's probably a maybe. Uh, because there's a good chance if you, if you start 1-4, you lose to the, uh, to the Lions, rather. You have a good chance of being fired. I mean, that's what... Honestly, BG, you were talking about it, but I'm thinking the same way. Do, do we prefer that? Are we just prolonging uh, the inevitable right now, which is this team being defeated either in the regular season or in the postseason uh, of that ultimate goal of Super Bowl, which this this team is clearly sold out for? I mean, they, they brought in all these veterans. They redid the, the defense to make them better, and so far they've been better, quite a bit better than last year. Uh, but now this, this top 10 offense hasn't provided – hasn't produced the offense they needed to do uh, so far. But I, I expect them to get better, and they'll have to if they want to keep their jobs. Um, let's go back to Davis as we wrap up Vikings talk here. What is one thing we need to get better before we play the Carolina Panthers next week? Um, I think, like, just the main thing is, uh, and kind of 
going back to what you're saying about will we, will Zimmer still be here next year? And I think really, I'm not even so sure it's going to be based on like totally like results of the season. I think it's, I think just in some ways, like our offense is just like super, super antiquated and we need to sort of like progress with the league and run these more modern offenses that are clearly having much more success. Um, sort of like this, uh, this Panthers offense we're going up against that doesn't have nearly the talent that we have, but they're still able to produce because they have a, a coordinator, uh, Joe Brady, that's running a, a much more modern pass friendly offense who also is the passing game coordinator at LSU and most likely will have a head coaching job next year. Um, I think really that's kind of the thing where the team needs to sort of progress with the league and change the league. Cause right now we're kind of just stuck in a, a very old scheme. Certainly. So, and maybe the Vikings could hire Joe Brady. I, w- I would definitely love that hire. He was the passing game coordinator, as you mentioned at LSU, I think during the borough era and uh, probably before that. Yeah. And from what I know, he has great rapport at Jefferson and I, I would imagine that'd be an amazing fit to, bring in a coordinator, young, young coordinator that knows how to play with Jefferson has a great relationship with them. Cause I think just after watching these few weeks, it's just like, it's pretty clear that he's kind of the player that we really obviously cook, but I think he's the player that we really need to build our team around and mm-hmm. cater to him on offense. And I don't really think, like we said, like Clint, I don't think is really doing that right now. I think, it's more about playing the way that Zimmer wants, controlling the game, limiting mistakes, but also not really allowing our offense to explode. Yeah, totally. I mean, Vikings second half unders are an ultimate lock right now. I don't, I don't know what they're coming in at, but whatever they are coming in at, bet the under because the Vikings cannot score points in the second half um, to save their life right now. And, uh, I'll I'll leave you with this, Davis. Do you think that if we made a change to Joe Brady, do you think that Kirk leaves if, if Zim gets fired and, and maybe some of the front office and presumably some of the the assistant coaches get fired and they clean house? Does does Kirk Cousins survive that? Does he stay in Minnesota? Obviously, he's under contract still, uh, but does he stay in Minnesota? Because I don't think he's the problem. Many Vikings fans would probably disagree with me on that, but I don't think he's the problem. I think. Kirk is a solid quarterback and, and fits this offense pretty well. Uh, but what do you think? If they do make uh, a, a clean sweep of, of the management here, does Kirk survive that? I think Kirk would absolutely survive it. And I think a big part of it is is that a lot of it's timing where I think like it's it's, it's just it's so tough to, to get an, a quarterback even of Kirk's caliber where those quarterbacks don't hit the market. And then if, and then these, from what we can see, these next few quarterback drafts are probably going to be pretty weak. It's not going to be like the last two years. So I think, uh, and I think really like, it's hard to really even give like an idea of like what Kirk could fully be. Like we get to see flashes, but they don't let, they don't give Kirk any autonomy. They don't let him run the offense or make decisions or really, make make mistakes that you can fully pit on him because all of these running the ball on first and second down and 
um, running play wide receiver screens on third and long. I don't think you can really pin that completely on Kirk. That's really not giving him the opportunity. If he was throwing it interceptions on longer, longer passes on these crucial downs, then maybe we start thinking about a change, but I think we first have to see that to really consider it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's time to get the hashtag let Kirk cook going. I mean, it's time. We got to let him unleash the play action. That's what he was so good at last year when we could establish a run, of course, but he was so good at that play action passing. I mean, deep all day to Jefferson and Thielen. And we have a legitimate number three receiver now in KJ Osborne and an emerging tight end in, in, in Conklin. I mean, this is a this is an offense that has a ton of weapons on the outside and one of the best running backs in the league when he's on the field in Delvin Cook and, and a backup who's a starter on, on maybe half of the franchises right now, maybe maybe a third to be safe. But but Alexander Madison is a starter on a lot of teams right now. And he's our number two guy when, when Cook goes out. So there's a ton of weapons on on this offense, and they just need to get rolling. They need to start scoring some touchdowns. They need to really unleash the, the weapons on the outside, specifically Justin Jefferson. Uh, and that means to be early and often. It was on Sunday, but then they never found him after that. It was early and often to start with, but there was nothing in the second half going that way. Uh, I, I think Thielen had two or three targets all day. He had one in the first half that he dropped. And then he had one in in that last drive. But, I mean, it was ridiculous how, how little they were passing the ball downfield. And some of that is protection-wise, that they didn't have time to do it or think they didn't think they had time to do it. Uh, but but some of that is definitely scheme-wise as well. So Clint Kubiak, he's going to have to get better at his job or he's going to lose it. And maybe Joe Brady is the future of, of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, uh, Joe Brady. Go ahead. Just Yeah, just Joe Brady. Just going back to it, like, it's um, – it's just it's it's going to be like something really interesting when you watch the game, just to kind of imagine. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Brady, but Brady is just a perfect example. Where last game we were just running these super predictable sets, where we were having many two tight end sets with Conklin, and then maybe they throw in Ellison or Chris Herndon. Where if you watch the way Brady's offense works, they're they're able to move these weapons like having like four receivers wide and they move their, their half back out. And I don't understand how with our, both of our running backs are great. could be great. And potentially in the past game, like there's other ways you can initiate offense besides just handing the ball off or creating a stronger protection and then trying to move the ball downfield that way. I think, by creating offense and forcing the defense to cover is another way that we can initiate the offense and sort of take pressure off of Kirk. Cause they can't send as many people. If we have more people going downfield. Exactly. Exactly. Um, BG Zach and, and Davis as well. Any thoughts from around the NFL? Uh, I know we've talked a little bit of Packers. Uh, we didn't talk anything about the bears, but you know, screw the bears. They did get a big win uh, uh, this week to get to, I believe, three and two um, as well. Um, but but anything that jumped off the page around the NFL, the Chiefs upset at home o- o- over the Bills, I should say by the Bills, uh, and, and a big performance from Josh Allen that was, you know, really his first big-time performance on the road, at least that I saw this season. 
and that was in a primetime spot. So, so a big showing by the Bills this week. But what else jumped off the page uh, from around the NFL table? Really, anyone? Yeah, I've got to talk about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, um, the performance that he's put on this season, and especially this past weekend, where on Monday Night Football he had over 500 total yards uh, between passing and rushing. And I saw a stat that he has Lamar Jackson himself. So through passing yards and rushing yards, I think he's at 1,680 yards so far this season, which is about 380 or 370 yards a game. And that's 1,680 yards is more than 18 NFL teams has in total yards this season. So the Ravens, as we kind of talked about, they, they eked out a win against the Lions. They eked out a win on Monday night against the Colts. They're not a dominant team, I would say. I'd say they're a little above middle of the pack, but Lamar Jackson has just been balling out, and whether it's through the air or or uh, running the ball on the ground, he is putting up numbers and finding a way to win the games for them, and it's good to see him um, come back in in a similar fashion to when he was MVP season a couple years back um, and see him on top of his game. It's just so exciting to to see him in primetime games. You never know what's going to happen. And I love the relationship that Lamar and John Harbaugh has where it's, hey, do you want to go for it? And Lamar says yes, and they do it. Could you imagine Mike Zimmer asking Kirk Cousins if you want to go for it on fourth down? It's just completely different systems, and Lamar's thriving in it. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I'm, I'm happy you brought up the Ravens where it's uh... – I feel like it's kind of like when the Vikings sort of start to fall apart in games, we just kind of seem dead in the water because it's almost like the way we scheme and play, try to win games is that we're going to follow our game plan. We're going to execute really well. And that's why we're going to win where Harbaugh just like fully buys in, fully believes in his team. And that team isn't going to die. It doesn't matter. Saw in the Chiefs game, saw it for sure. Saw last night where, they can really climb back in any game. And I think that's something that we could really incorporate and build, build upon. Yeah. And it feels like just the opposite for the Vikings right now. We couldn't come back in any game. I mean, if we're down by 10 points, it feels out of reach at times uh, for this Vikings team, especially in the second half. I mean, there's just nothing going in the, in the second half for this team right now. Uh, and that needs to change because you need to be able to do that. And fortunately, we were able to get, I guess, a last-second drive uh, to win the game last week. Uh, but I, I, I guess we don't have this option in Minnesota uh, with, with the quarterback run, but the way that, that Josh Allen is running right now for the Bills and some of the plays that they're running, I know it's, it's very similar to Lamar Jackson in, in that Baltimore offense. But when you can get 11 guys all playing football at the same time, meaning you have a quarterback running the football and you have 10 other guys blocking, it just opens up so many things. I mean, it's they, they talked about it on the Sunday night broadcast. It's, it's high school football because then you get 10 guys blocking and the quarterback also running the ball instead of having the quarterback just hand off and be out of the play. You're 10 on 11 every single time the quarterback does that. When you have that quarterback option to run and, and with all the blocking schemes that they have, which are very complex but built for a quarterback run, it's so easy for them to get an advantage in those situations. And it was just, it was brilliant to watch Josh Allen in that offense, just rip apart Kansas city at home in front of 70,000 fans. And there was a weather delay that 
that probably helped Buffalo because uh, it knocked kind of the energy out of that stadium. But it, it was masterful to see the way they ran that. And it would be awesome for the Vikings to, with all the weapons they have on the outside with Dalvin Cook in the backfield, to have a running quarterback and have that option. Uh, and obviously Kirk has improved on that stage of his game a little bit the last year and a half, but he's still by no means mobile and he doesn't really ever make a guy miss. I mean, pretty much if there's a free rusher, they hit Kirk or they throw, they cause him to throw the ball away because he's just so uncomfortable with a free rusher. But some of those things when you see on Sunday night football, it's like, dang, I wish we had a quarterback that could run the ball because that would open up so much for, for our team. And maybe that's what's down the road for us, but that will remain to be seen, I guess. And that, I mean, that style of play, I think watching Lamar and watching Josh Allen, it like really wears down a defense. Yeah, it, it totally does. I mean, uh, again, you have an extra blocker in every single play that's just barreling down on somebody. And when you have two tight end sets, which the Vikings seem to love with one receiver sp- split out and what's seemingly like nine guys on the line of scrimmage right at the ball, obviously it's a couple of them are just off the line. Uh, so it's a legal formation, but it, it, it's ridiculous what you can do with 10 blockers and a quarterback who's willing to run, a big quarterback like Josh Allen who's willing to run and can run and can take some hits and can can dive when the time is right. I mean, he took a few hits in that Sunday night game, but for the most part, I thought he did a very good job of keeping his body safe and not taking the huge hits that cause quarterbacks to get hurt. And if you can have a quarterback that's smart enough to do that and smart enough to know when to slide, when to run out of bounds, that sort of thing, then that offense can be successful for a couple of years. And we've seen over the last decade maybe of NFL football that if you can get a quarterback on a rookie contract, you have a great chance of winning a Super Bowl because you can spread that money everywhere else. And it's kind of the Tom Brady formula where if you have a quarterback that's willing to take pay cuts every year so you can pay the weapons around him more money, then you're going to be in for a good situation. But we, we don't have that luxury at the moment. Uh, you guys want to talk a little bit of college football? Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, obviously, the Gophers on a bye week this week. Uh, we got Nebraska coming up at home at Huntington Bank Stadium. They're calling it now. Uh, we are three and a half point dogs at home uh, to the unranked, at least as far as I'm concerned, Nebraska Huskers. I don't know if they were ranked in this most recent poll, but they did have a close game against Michigan. They were up late in that one Michigan rallied to win on the road at Nebraska, but it does feel like Nebraska's a little bit back. It, it, it feels like that's going to be a tough game uh, for the Gophers at home. I still do like the Gophers to win that one to get to four and two uh, overall in the year. Uh, but looking ahead towards that game, anybody done anything thinking about that one? I think Nebraska's they've had a really tough schedule this year. <clears throat> they've gone to Oklahoma um, or not. I can't remember where that game was played. I think it was at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, they had to go, they played Michigan there and then they played one other ranked, um, Michigan. besides Michigan, one other ranked team, um, Michigan state. Oh, was it Michigan state at the time where they ranked? <laughs> yep. 20. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've had a tough go of it already. And I think that prepares them a little better than we, um, than then we are so far of, you know, we had a great close game against Ohio state, but that honestly, like that might be the, the biggest takeaway of our season so far. And in, in my eyes, I, I know we've had uh, some other wins, but that bowling green locks things a little bit. It's terrible. Um, it makes me think that we're not, um, you know, 
prepared going forward here to to face some of these Big Ten op- opponents that we're going to start facing here because schedule unfortunately doesn't get easier when you when you play Bowling Green for your homecoming and then you got those. Um, I don't know who we played earlier in the year. Those guys that those um, Miami of Ohio, Miami of Ohio, those kind of teams. Yeah, um, doesn't get mm-hmm. easier. It's it's. I, I don't think we. I don't think we look good enough in the in the prelims, so to speak, to feel good about us going forward, and especially losing Ibrahim early in the year. I've I've kind of been down on us a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, Pitts is doing well. I don't know if he's going to be Potts, good yeah. to go. He is not. He is done for the year with an undisclosed oh. medical issue. He was. No way. Uh, yeah, he was held back um, as the team returned home from Purdue. He stayed at a hospital there, and we were talking about this before we hit the record button tonight. Uh, but BG, they didn't release the, the reason for his, his medical leave, I guess you could say, uh, for the rest of the season. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. He was in the hospital for like three or four days. And just the other day, I think on Monday, maybe he got discharged and flew back to Minnesota, drove back to Minnesota, whichever way it was. And he's still receiving treatment now in some way or form. Um, not in the hospital, but he's still receiving treatment for it, and they just um, disclosed that he's going to be out for the season with an undisclosed injury, wow. and keep it up to leave it up to him or his family, I guess, if they want to dis- disclose what it is. But obviously, it does not sound good, and hopefully, it's not career-ending for Potts, who was looking so promising in that uh, starting running back role with Ibrahim out. Yeah, he was looking real good, especially in the. The, the passing options as well. I mean, he was a very fast coming out of the backfield, good hands, and, and yeah, he was looking very promising. Uh, the the Gophers are pretty deep at running back. You hope it, it's, as, a, as they say, next man up. I mean, you hope the next man up is, is pretty solid, and we've seen a couple different options for the Gophers. Um, a, a, after Mo went down, you've seen some of the third, fourth, now fifth string running backs get in there, and they've all been solid, and I'm pretty confident about how they're going to play. Uh, you're not going to get the 220-yard, two-touchdown, three-touchdown performances that you would out of Mo Ibrahim, uh, but you're going to get enough, I think, where it's going to come down to you know, how the defense plays, how, how Tanner Morgan plays, if you can keep the ball out of the, the defender's hands, if you can just take care of the football and, and make the passes when necessary and, and let the offensive line and his running backs do the rest. Uh, but that, that's kind of the go for offense. I want to talk a little Penn State-Iowa. No Andy tonight as he is now in Europe for the next six weeks. We'll get, we'll get a little bit of taste of uh, European Randy uh, here, not this week, probably next week or maybe the week after. Uh, but let's talk Iowa-Penn State for just a second big-time matchup, 4 o'clock game, which was weird to me. I was, I was hoping it was going to be a night game. I don't know why it wasn't. It was a 3 versus 4 matchup. It should have been a night game uh, on Fox or wherever they wanted to broadcast it on, I guess. Uh, but it was a 4 o'clock game. Uh, 3 o'clock central time here. But it was a good football game. Iowa down for most of the game, scores a late touchdown in the fourth quarter to hold on to that game. And then they inexplicably stormed the field as favorites at home. Um, <laughs> they, they stormed the field, so that shows you the intelligence of the Iowa football fan base uh, storming the field as favorites. Uh, but nevertheless, they did. They're now ranked second, I believe, in the new AP poll after Alabama lost, moving everybody up um, in that poll. But uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes getting it done by a field goal at home at Kinnick. I know Andy would be real excited. Did any of you guys watch that game? And if you did, any thoughts? 
I did not. Maybe nobody did. It was, that was a sweet game. Um, I was really rooting for Penn State. Yeah, um, me too. To win that one. And they, they were looking good the whole time. He just had a feeling that Iowa was going to work its way back into it. They moved the they moved the bleachers like closer to the sideline of the Penn State sideline. I saw so that they, they could be like louder and they could disrupt them a little more. And that kind of I don't know why that frustrated me. <laughs> I just like made me mad. So I was like, oh, and I didn't want them to win anyway. Yeah, like, I, I just I was been really good these last couple of years, and I I really don't like seeing them win. I I I don't know why. I really just don't like Iowa. Um, yeah. I'm with you. Man. You're a true Gophers fan. Though. I hate yeah. Iowa. Yeah, dude. I, I I think it's cool when Penn State's when Penn State's good and they're up there. I think it makes the Big Ten look really good. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just one of those like when Ohio State and Penn State are good, our, our conference seems legit. And so I, I look to them. You kind of look to them and to to solidify our our um, our conference there. But I don't know. Who knows? Michigan might be up there. It's hard to say if they're yeah. for real or not. Um, going Man. back, yeah, I, I I could see Iowa coming back to that game. I was gonna lie about it, didn't have it, didn't have it in me to do it. Mm. Um, yeah, well, but, probably smart. Yeah, you would have put money on game, Penn State. Say it again, sorry. I said probably smart. You would have put some money on Penn State, and you would have lost. Yeah, no, I, I was gonna lie about Iowa because I just felt like oh, I you look. Oh, okay, I got but, you. Uh, tails all the time. I think anyone could say that and not put money on them, but. Um, mm. Yeah, frustrating. Frust- good game. Don't know why. Like you said, I don't know why I wasn't on at night. Turned yeah, it, on, it should like, have been a night midway game. through the third or first quarter. I was like, w- "What is going on? This game's on." Couldn't believe it. So, what should have been a night game. Definitely should have been a night game. But then we would, but then we would have missed that Bama A and M game, which is, which was one for the ages, dude. Yeah, that was a wild one. Uh, absolutely wild. And to be honest with you, I fell asleep in the first quarter, but catching up on the box score at least because I had I had a little action on that one as well. And uh, yeah, that 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 didn't pan out very well at all. Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, I, know I had them. You would think minus sixteen Alabama, like that's a lock, lock. Yeah, I had an adjusted line minus twelve, and it just I was I was sure of it, but yeah. I'm stoked. I'd rather lose my money. It wasn't that much, but on that but but i'd rather lose money like that than than and see alabama go down that was so sweet dude yeah uh technically it was just running down their throats like no one does really? that to alabama it was, yeah. it was it was bizarre yeah um and i think that was the first really cool the first time a uh, assistant or a former alabama coach has beaten nick saban i think it's now right. one in 28 was, or something like that yeah. yeah yeah i think he was like 28 and now coming into the game yeah one in twenty-eight now for Nick Saban against his former assistants. Pretty cool for A and M. Uh, this game I didn't watch either, but I was just following it on my phone. I had to work all Saturday, so I didn't get to watch really any football. I watched the second half of, of Penn State Iowa, but that was about it. And then I fell asleep. But Texas Oklahoma, that's where game day was this weekend. Texas was up big, and I had Texas like plus seven or plus eight, something like that. And I was very confident they're up two touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma just comes storming back. They end up scoring when they're in field goal range to win the game. And, I, you know, kick a field goal, great. I still cover. Texas, you know, loses the game, obviously, but I still I still cover. What do they do? They don't, they don't kick a field goal. The freaking quarterback runs it into the end zone for a touchdown, the worst beat of all time for me because uh, that was <laughs> the last leg of, like, a seven-team parlay. Oh, uh, no. And, yeah. They were the one that didn't hit. And I also had I had Penn State plus four, so that hit. And that was everything I'd hit. 
besides that game. Uh, so very unfortunate there. Bad beat in, in that Oklahoma, game is Texas. Kind of the game that really like just for the landscape of just football in general that really caught my eye was it's just it's I mean it's crazy, but obviously I, I think it was like a genius play by Lincoln Riley to bench essentially Spencer Rattler and put in Caleb Williams, but it's just Spencer Rattler is not the type of quarterback or prospect you thought that would end up getting benched at any point this season. And it's going to be really interesting how that changes the landscape of the NFL draft as well. Totally. Totally. And many were saying that Spencer Rattler entered the transfer porter while still on the sideline um, of that game. So that's, you know, something interesting to follow there for sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, we see oh, during, during the game. <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely a guy who's going to enter the uh, portal. Uh, well, I thought he already did. Did I'm sure like he did. No, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, after the game. I'm sure he yeah, did. After the game, he did. Okay. And I don't know if you guys saw the videos, but when Oklahoma was celebrating after their win, he he walked off the field and went to the locker room when everybody was still on the field and celebrating. So yeah, not surprised. I couldn't be more happy. I couldn't be more happy that Rattler got benched. Um, I don't know if you've seen the videos of him from like QB one, but he's a it. piece of shit. That. So <laughs> I'm really happy that he's no longer and he should try to be the starting quarterback for Bowling Green and see if they accept him. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. Uh, yeah, I know. Rattler's not a very likable guy. Davis, you like him though? No, I, I've, uh, I, uh, I was probably the happiest person when he got that. <laughs> yeah, you were with every, you and everybody else, <laughs> me as well. I mean, yeah, that that's good to see. He's kind of a yeah, he's he's kind of a punk. I guess would be a good way to put it. Um, yeah, it was it was just it was so weird too, where he came into the season, I believe the Heisman favorite, and I believe the favorite to go number one in the draft. And I just don't know if I've ever just seen like a such a such a collapse with without an injury from a quarterback it's just extremely bizarre couldn't be happier for it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean to go from from a heisman favorite and a number one pick favorite to benched at your school and maybe not even a drafted quarterback um at, at the end of this year pretty big fall pretty big but caleb fall. williams looks awesome like i think he he could be a really awesome prospect yeah i he mean he's fun to watch what a move too. I mean, that takes some that takes some cojones there from Lincoln Riley to bench Spencer Rattler and and go to to the backup. I mean, I'm sure people were calling for it at least in, in that city, but around the country, that's a pretty big time move and especially if it doesn't work out, of course it does for Oklahoma. They end up winning the game. Uh, but that's a that's a pretty ballsy move from the head coach. Yeah, fans, I think fans were cheering it on. They were Chanting bench rattler or they either start Caleb or I don't know what it was, but he, he just doesn't fit that build of the Oklahoma quarterback success train that they've got going Yeah, pretty much over the last, well, for sure last four years, but the last 10 years dating back to Bradford and they've always got someone, a good leader at the helm there. And he just, he needs to get out of there, dude. He's just, he's a piece of crap. And I think he, uh, um, if he, if he goes undrafted, I, I hate to root against guys so hard, harshly like this. Actually, I don't hate it. Um, I, I just would, I hope he did, I hope he's done with football, dude. I really don't. He just doesn't deserve <laughs> yeah. it. You can't look yeah. up to guys like that. You don't want kids looking up to guys like that. 
Yeah. Well, like one thing too is like you're uh, you guys brought up like the videos from QB one. Like I gotta imagine part of it is like I can't imagine like people love playing with him either. So I, I gotta imagine that's gotta be a big part of it too. Oh yeah, that's I'm sure true. Caleb Williams is like the team favorite in the locker room. Yeah, I'm sure that the majority liked him over Rattler before the game, but now it's just got to be overwhelmingly support for um, Williams. Especially, obviously, especially with um, Rattler entering the transfer portal, he's probably not going to be seen in the locker room with other guys in there, or stuff is going to be said. Um, but yeah, I, he might just be off the Oklahoma campus by the end of this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he probably went to class before this happened, but if he did, he's <laughs> definitely not going to class now. <laughs> he's definitely done from, oh, from class at Oklahoma. Yeah, and you gotta wonder where he goes now. Maybe Bowling Green. That could be good. Maybe St. Thomas. I mean, we're, we're breaking it. Would we? Would we take him at St. Thomas? Would he fit with with Glenn? I don't. I don't know if that would be a good fit. But maybe he could. Maybe Glenn could whip him into shape. Get him back. That'd to that. be two strong personalities going at it. Yeah, Rattler two, and Caruso. Yeah, I don't know how big Rattler is, but he looks like a small guy out there. So we'll, you know, two kind of, yeah. you know, short guy complexes. You know, that, that could be an issue, I guess. Um, but, yeah, any other thoughts from, from around college football not related to uh, Spencer Rattler? Anything from from this past week or looking forward to next week? I've got nothing. Yeah, nothing for me. Those big games were the ones Beautiful. we talked about. Yeah, and some big games. I don't know what the schedule is looking like for, for next week. Do we have any huge matchups? I haven't really heard about anything. Um, in terms of big matchups next week, I yeah, guess. I haven't really looked. I haven't looked. Um, so let me just do a quick check here. Nothing really in the Big Ten, it looks like, at least. Iowa, Purdue, Michigan State, Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska. That'll be a big one for us. Um, but nothing. It's a weird college football season. It's hard to really even tell who's like actually good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally is. I mean, looks like one versus eleven is probably the best matchup. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia versus Kentucky. But yeah. I mean, Georgia's twenty three point spread. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Georgia's twenty three point favorites in that game. Crazy. Uh, that's the yeah, only so ranked like, matchup I don't of the know if week. I can call it a good game. <laughs> yeah. So kind of a slow week for for week seven of college football. NFL will obviously be. You know, there'll be a lot of good matchups in NFL as there is every week. Vikings got the Carolina Panthers on the road. Uh, before the bye in week seven. Um, but hopefully we're talking Vikings win next week and a three and three before the bye uh, and kind of looking forward to the second half of the season, the last 11 games for the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of football left, a lot of football left for the Vikings and for the Gophers as well with a chance to climb back into things next week with a win at home over Nebraska. We'll talk about all of that next week on the Wake and Take podcast. And day after day I'm more confused And I look for the light in the pouring rain You know it's a game I hate to lose I'm feeling strained Oh, ain't it a shame Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away 
Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Won't you take me away? Yeah. Beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you You carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, Guitars coming through to soothe me. Thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your song. Oh, yeah. Rhythm and rhyme and harmony. You help me Take me away, yeah. 